You're listening to. Back to Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. Uh, my name is Marvin Yue. And I'm Rira Yu. And we are coming at you at the end of 2017. Can you believe it that we made it past this total? <laughs> you know, I was thinking, in general, it was kind of a shitty year. But personally, we were able to do some pretty cool things with it. I, yeah, I guess on, on, so. On a personal level, you know, yeah. we read... 12 books by Asian American authors. We kept this podcast is still alive after I know, a year. Right? Um, and yeah, so little small little victories in the face of horrifying existential crises um, all around. But hello, I am back from a month long trip. <laughs> if you've been wondering where our podcast I has was, been, I was about to say, Marvin's here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're recording this uh, the day before. The New Year uh, weekend holiday. Yeah, weekend holiday. Um, And there's a lot to get through. And we didn't really have a full-on news and new releases episode this month. So um, instead of having one super long episode where we talk about news and then go into our uh, monthly book review or our monthly book discussion, uh, we figured we'd do two normal-sized episodes, one after another. But that way you you can pick and choose what you want to listen to first. Yeah, I I took a break from book Twitter for like a week and a half, like (laughs) leading up to the holidays. And when I got back on, I was like, "What is going on? Everybody is freaking out over Twitter." What is going on? There's there's been a couple just there's been a couple uh, incidents. And I guess we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Um, There's there's one particular one that happened earlier this week, and we'll get more into that. But anything that happened before that, I'm just like, I don't know what happened. There was way too much to get through on the Twitter feed. You know, sometimes it's good to take a break from Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I was in China for a week and I didn't have full access to Twitter. I still could see Twitter because of um, my T-Mobile. Um, oh, so you have like free international. Yeah. It's like it's um, I do get Twitter, but it also throttles me at like edge network connections so yeah. it takes like forever to update um but it was kind of refreshing to like not have to stay um Plugged updated yeah. although you know this is during a time when like doug jones was yeah that, that too and the tax bill was going through and just all kinds of good stuff <laughs> yeah um but since it is pretty much the end of 2017 i have to ask uh what are some of your favorite books that you've read this year my favorite books um well right before i left for um, asia i was able to binge through the entirety of jade city by fonda lee which i was supposed to bring for you to borrow but i don't I oh i bought it it was on sale okay. on kindle for like three dollars and i was like i have a policy where where it's like if it's less than coffee i'll <laughs> usually buy it yeah and I guess that's like that book, um, The Grace of Kings and Wall of Storms, like these big epic Asian inspired fantasies yeah. has been like really 
I figured that was your jam, which is why I recommended uh, Grace of Kings to you, which is weird because I have not read that book. (laughs) Uh, Marvin lent it to me a while ago and I haven't just, uh, I haven't gotten into it yet. It's a long, it's a big long book. Yeah, I've had like other books to read uh, beforehand. Um, But this, um, I actually, the December pick was actually super interesting and I didn't expect to um, be into it as much as I did. I will get into that in the next episode. Um, but I can see why this guy won that Nobel Prize. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess for me, uh, she's not an Asian American or Asian author, but I read The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas about right. like a week and a half ago. And oh boy, that, that book is like, like it, it was, it was real and <laughs> it was real, but it was also super funny and like super relatable and I really liked it. It was probably my favorite book of 2017 of all the books that I read That's this awesome. past and year. Um, the movie is coming out in 2018. Okay. Yeah. So I'm really excited to watch it. Um, it's about like Black Lives Matter. And yeah, yeah it's, I think it's a super important book. And it's been on the New York Times bestseller list for over 40 weeks. So yeah, yeah it's a really good book. Um, Asian and Asian American author wise. I'm trying to think. Uh, I really like I Believe in a Thing Called Love by Maureen Gu. Uh, that, that was just that, that is so your much, jam. That if, was if, so if, much fun. If Asian Spy Fantasy is my jam, like well, I love Korean drama too. inspired shenanigans is definitely your jam. I mean, listen, this this year has you been used really, to be the editor of this Korean year, <laughs> This year used to be this year was so bad, and I needed something very light and funny. Usually, I'm into like more heavy stuff, uh-huh. but this year I was like, I just need all of the uh, light comedy stuff that I like. I can read, yeah. So, yeah, I also liked. Uh, not Your Sidekick by C.B. Lee. That came out the year before. Right. But I um, finally got to it and sat down and read it. And I also really liked it. It's post-apocalyptic, but it's actually really fun to read. You know, I feel like we're living in the post-apocalypse right now. I know. I mean, if anything, we're like, like we're, we're, in the, we're in the phase where like civilization is crumbling. We're on our way towards <laughs> dystopia as we see it, you know. Um, so we, we might as well be prepared for what kind of yeah. what, for what kind of dystopia we're heading towards. Around around this time last year, I said my goal was to read a hundred books, mm-hmm. but then Persona Five came out, and I was like, "Oh, I'm never going to reach that goal." Uh, so I cut it to fifty, and I have about like two days left to like meet that goal. How many books do you have left? Around two more. Oh, okay, but I might just like that's pretty impressive. I, I might just, just like read mangas or like graphic novels too. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> also, I reread that's some an, books that's an too. Asterisk right there. So I didn't. I didn't include uh, books that I reread, but they should count because they're a full size book. So anyway, we All have right. a bunch of new releases to get through. Yeah. So um, here are the new releases for the month of December, leading up to the first week of January. Um, books by Asian Asian American authors or authors from the Asia diaspora. We don't uh, discriminate here on Books and Boba. Um, let's start. Uh, well, let's get started. Why don't you start us off with the first one? Yeah, sure. Uh, first off on our list is Star City by Edwin Peng, published by Evolved Publishing. Edwin's one of our Twitter followers. Yes, he, um... yes, he is very active. <laughs> uh, released on December 4th, when 18-year-old Emma Smith enlists in a collaborative project to cure osteosarcoma with an alien race called a baron she is paired up with Separinen, a young baron asteroid miner who cares little about meeting humans 
As political struggles intensified between feuding human and barren factions, anti-alien sentiment on Earth reaches, reaches a lethal pitch. The two young ambassadors must risk everything to help maintain the fragile peace between the two species. And that is Star City by Edwin Peng. Nice. Um, next up is Salvage, colon, Poems by Cynthia Dewey Oka, um, published by Triquarterly, released on December 15th. Um, how do we transform the wreckage of our identities? Oka's evocative collection answers this question by brimming with what we salvage from our most deep-seated battles. Reflecting the many dimensions of the poet's life, salvage manifests an intermixture of aesthetic forms that encompasses multiple social, political, and cultural contexts, leading readers to Bali, Indonesia, to the Pacific North, to the Pacific Northwest, and to South Jersey and Philadelphia. Next, we have Shadow Girl by Liana Liu, published by Harper Teen, released on December 19th. The house on Arrow Island is full of mystery, yet when May arrives, she can't help feeling relieved. She's happy to spend the summer in an actual mansion tutoring a rich man's daughter, if it means a break from her dysfunctional family. And Ella Morrison seems like an easy charge, sweet and well-behaved. But all is not quite as it seems when May begins to hear unexplained noises, the howling, thumping, and cries at night. May doesn't believe in ghosts, but she can't shake her fear that there's danger lurking in the shadows of this beautiful house. Next up is The Young Queens by Kendari Blake, um, published by Harper Teen, released on December 26th. Uh, Mirabella, Arsenal, and Catherine weren't always scheming to murder each other in order to win the crown. Before they were poisoner, elemental, and naturalists, they were children, sisters, and friends. Prequel to the Three Dark Crown series, this novella follows the three queens, after they were born, before they were separated, during the time when they all lived together and loved each other, and the day they were torn apart. So this was um, part of the... Part of the Three Dark Crowns series. Uh, One Dark Throne came out earlier this year. Um, Which is book two, right? Yeah, that's book two. Mm -hmm. Young Queens is the prequel. And it's pretty much like Game of Thrones style because like there's three sisters who are trying to like kill each other for the throne. Uh-huh. So it like I haven't read it yet, but it sounds super fun and uh, <laughs> totally my jam. Yeah. Uh, next up is A Distant Heart by Sonali Dev, published by Kensington Publishing Corporation, released on December 26th. At 11 years old, Kimmy develops a rare illness that requires her to be confined to a germ-free ivory tower in her family's mansion. The only thing to keep her company is the Arabian Sea churning outside her window. That is until she meets Rahul, who becomes Kimmy's eyes to the outside world for many years. After Kimmy undergoes a life-saving heart transplant, she becomes a target of a crime lord of a black market organ ring, and only Rahul can keep her safe. There's been a lot of these like spin-offs of the Bubble Boy like Bubble narrative Boy? Uh, lately, right? Like there's that what was that movie that came out this year? It was the last year. Everything everything Oh, that's n- no. Wait, wait. The movie? Yeah, that's Nicola Yoon's first novel, I think. Okay. Yeah, she's the author of uh, "The Sun Is Also a Star," <laughs> which I absolutely loved. Yeah. Also, one of my favorite books that I read this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, next up is "Chainbreaker" by Tara Sim, um, published by Sky Pony Press, and this will release on January second, twenty eighteen. Our first twenty eighteen new release. Congratulations to Tara. Um, in this second volume to the Timekeeper series, Danny Hart is hoping to deepen his relationship with the clock spirit Colton. However, sudden attacks on the clock towers in India forces Danny and fellow clock mechanic Daphne to travel to the city of, Ar- of Agra due to their past experience with stopped clocks. However, unlike the stopped clocks of England, the fallen clock towers in India have not stopped time yet. 
As Danny investigates further, he, reala- he realizes that the British occupation may be sparking more than just attacks. So this is um, the sequel to Timekeeper. Timekeeper. And in, time- and in Timekeeper, uh, when the clocks stop in England, this is like alternate universe England. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's Victorian. I, it sounded Victorian. I hear it's kind of steampunky. Yeah, it's right? steampunky. Yeah. So like when the clocks stop, time stops. And only okay. the clock mechanics are able to fix those. Um, so this is a follow-up. I'm, I'm not sure, um, what it's exactly about because (laughs) I haven't read Timekeeper, but if you are interested in reading, uh, Timekeeper, the first book, uh, in the Timekeeper series, uh, Lit Celebration is reading that for their December, January pick. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if you finish Timekeeper, if you finish Timekeeper, you can read Chainbreaker like almost immediately after, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Binge those books. <laughs> uh, next up is A State of Freedom by Neil Mukherjee, published by W.W. Norton Company, releases on January 2nd. Set in contemporary India, A State of Freedom focuses on the central defining events of our century, of our century, displacement and migration. Five characters in very different circumstances, from a domestic cook, from a domestic cook in Mumbai to a vagrant and his dancing bear, Find the meanings of dislocation and the desire to get more out of life. I like that. I like more of these stories of diaspora and migration um, coming into like the mainstream. I like books where there are multiple character POVs. So this also sounds like a book that I would probably enjoy. Yeah. Um, is this the last one? Yeah, it's the last one. And finally, we have Batman Nightwalker by Marie Lu, uh, published by Random House Books for Young Readers, releases on January 2nd. Young billionaire Bruce Wayne is turning 18 and about to inherit his family's fortune, not to mention the keys to the Wayne Enterprises. Not to mention the keys to Wayne Enterprises and all the high-tech gadgets. And all the tech gadgetry his heart could ever desire. But after a run-in with the police, he's forced to do community service at Arkham Asylum. There he meets Madeline Wallace an accused murderer with ties to the Nightwalkers, a gang that's terrorizing Gotham City. As the two grow closer, Bruce works to unravel the mystery behind Madeline and the Nightwalkers. I want to read this so <laughs> bad. I like. I first heard about it when uh, I went to the Warcross reading in at Romans, and I was like, oh my god, YA Bruce Wayne, I must read this. I need this book in my life. Are you into Gotham too? Are yes, you into, uh, like, Batman is my favorite superhero. So. Even like teen melodrama, like... Oh my god. <laughs> I watch Rain, <laughs> so uh, I am all about the melodrama between, <laughs> uh, like among teenagers, so I, I really, really want to read it. That's uh, another one of your jams right there. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of jams. Um, and those are the new releases leading up to the first week of January. Uh, congratulations to all the authors for publishing their books. Um, as always, if you have any books to add to our list, um, please sound off on our Goodreads forum. A lot of people have been introducing themselves, and I, I'm very happy about that. Is that is awesome, yes. Uh, nice to meet all of you. Because um, we have like over 150 members on our Goodreads group, and yeah. uh, only a handful of people introduce themselves. I'm a lot like, of lurkers. So I'm just like, who are these people? And uh, slowly but surely, people are introducing themselves. So yeah. It makes me very happy. Uh, moving on to news, our first piece of news is... Uh, Dial Books acquired Fake Chinese Sounds, a graphic novel by Jingjing Song. The book follows a fifth grader named Mei who meets her Taiwanese grandmother for the first time, which helps her understand her sense of self 
and gain a fresh perspective on her Asian American heritage. Publication is planned for fall 2019. Nice. It's good to see these um, more grounded in reality graphic novels featuring Asian Americans and identity. Yeah, I like graphic no. novels that go outside the superhero genre. Yeah. Um, next up, Salam Reads bought Aisha Saeed's picture book, Bilal Cook's Doll. The story follows a boy who teaches his friends how to cook a favorite meal that requires patience and then shares it with his community. Anusha Saeed will illustrate the book and publication is set for 2019. Another picture book for... Uh, Yay. For diverse audiences. We need more picture books by POCs. Um, next up is Holiday House acquired Hope Lin's debut picture book, My Tree, illustrated by Il Sung Na. The book is about a Korean boy and his favorite plum tree in the backyard of his new home in America. Publication is slated for spring 2020. Orca Books acquired the board book Diwali Lights by Rena Singh. Um, the book explores the Indian Festival of Lights through rhyme and photographs. The publication is set for fall 2018. Yeah, board book is a type of picture book, but it's like oh. made of thicker uh, nice. cardboard. Diwali's fun. We used to have a Diwali night for uh, our grad school every year. Yeah. Our Indian classmates just go all out. Yeah, yeah. I've seen like uh, pictures of Indian people uh, celebrating <laughs> Diwali and I'm like, wow, that looks like really beautiful and fun and what a what a nice holiday. Um, next up is Strauss and Giro bought Somewhere Only We Know, a new YA novel by Maringu. Uh, pitched as a modern-day Roman holiday set in Hong Kong, the book follows one fateful meeting between a K-pop star who'd like to be anyone else and a charming convoy who's looking for a big break to impress his paparazzo father. Publication is set for spring 2019. I feel like Maringu just has your number. She like has like yes she she like I am her target demographic <laughs> and apparently like a lot of people on book Twitter as well because when uh, news of this book came out on Publishers Weekly so many tw- so many people tweeted a screenshot of it saying like I need this book in my life <laughs> and I was like this sounds amazing I love Roman Holiday and of course I'm like a big K-pop fan I yeah. started a K-pop magazine when I was in college <laughs> so I'm like yeah this is my jam I I can't wait it's your jam it's your beat and Moringu is going to squeeze you for all your worth <laughs> <laughs> um it's great, though. When we talked to Maureen when she uh, published her first book, uh, I Believe in the Thing I'll Love, your favorite book yeah. of 2017 um, by Asian-American author. She has another book that's coming out in uh, March, Yeah, about food, I think? In the, food and SGV. And yeah. Stuff. yeah. That sounds like your book because <laughs> food and SGV, I don't know. It just reminds me of you. It's two things that I have a Venn diagram with. Worlds colliding. <laughs> Next up, HarperCollins acquired a picture book based on the original Chinese poem Fa Mulan. The poem will be illustrated by Joy Ang and translated by Fei Lin Wu. Publication is slated for fall 2018. So all these Mulan adaptations, they're coming just as the Mulan movie <laughs> is going to hit theaters. And I'm like, yes, because if the Mulan movie, if the Mulan live action doesn't deliver, we have all these other choices. Yeah. I wonder how closely they're going to follow the poem, though, because the poem doesn't really end on a, you know, it goes places that's more tragic than heroic. Well, it's a picture book, so yeah. I'm guessing that they're going to, like, I guess, like, not go too deep into <laughs> the darker aspects of that poem. But yeah. uh, so, our final piece of news 
is the Joyce Carol Oates Twitter debacle. All right, so you have to tell me who Joyce Carol Oates is. Cause I have uh, no she is idea. a very prolific author. She's published over 40 books. Uh, she won the National Book Award, the o-, o. Henry Award, I think. And um, she's always quoted by book reviewers as like a very productive author because she her like method is writing longhand from like 8 a.m. to like to like noon and then she writes in the evening so right. she's been like cited as like like as like oh like follow her style she she like churns out a lot of writing um okay but, yeah she, so she's a she's a big deal in the she book world. is a very big deal in the book world um so this whole thing began when new york times published an article that questioned whether or not reliance on sensitivity readers resulted in censorship. And it kind of leaned more towards like, oh, sensitivity readers are kind of like sanitizing books. And uh, it quoted um, like a lot, a chunk of the article quoted Laura uh, Laura Moriarty, the author of American Heart, uh, which was slammed for uh, anti-Muslim representation. We've mentioned it on our previous mid-month episodes. Uh, the book also mentioned the continent, which we also had an entire episode on. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it also quoted like a bunch of publishers who said that uh, sensitivity readers would have kind of like sanitized books like Huck Finn and To Kill a Mockingbird being like they were just pretty much saying like oh these books wouldn't exist if they had sensitivity readers which is ridiculous but moving on um so daniel clayton responded to the article with a really long thread on twitter and she was also cited in in the article and she was like not happy about how the article was written out so danielle works with lno on we need diverse books yes yes she is the coo and she's the author of um the upcoming novel the bells Mm -hmm. and she pretty much said that the children's publishing industry gives a lot of privilege to white authors cis authors and able-bodied authors and and like at the same time the publishing industry censor a lot of marginalized voices and not giving them a lot of opportunities. Right. So sensitivity readers have like pretty much leveled the playing field just a little bit. And she also said how um, like, like a lot of like white authors want to write about the black experience, but they're, but the publishing industry doesn't want black authors writing about the same thing right which is what we've talked about in previous episodes it's, and how um, problematic it is it's interesting because so i work with collaboration for um, our listeners who don't know um, and we work a lot with um, things like representation in media and we have a lot of friends in like the the media world and this is very similar to a story that came up this past year where Ed Screen was cast to play um, General Ben Daimio from Next Hellboy, who yeah. is written in the comics as a Japanese American army man. Um, and Ed Screen decided to step down, and Daniel, Daniel Dickens took over the role. And instead of talking about um, like how this is a step towards you know like better representation, um, a lot of our friends in media were actually shocked that they were being told by their editors and publishers to focus on the story instead. Like, what will this mean for white actors 
playing diverse roles in the future. Yeah. Like instead of saying how, instead of talking about how this just makes everything, it lifts everything up. It gives marginalized voices a chance to speak out. Um, the story here, instead from these major publications, is what will this mean for white voices? Yeah, right. I mean, like, like books like Huck Finn and To Kill a Mockingbird. Like, I don't like either. I mean, no, that's not true. I don't like Huck Finn. I hate Huck Finn. But uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, I really liked it when I read it in school. But at the same time, like when I go to bookstores and they say they have like a table for black like books that talk about slavery and like and like uh, like black representation I don't really want to see white authors on that table. Like I would, yeah. I would like to see the majority of that table, like be com- con- to consist of black authors. But unfortunately, that is not the case, and it, it's really sad because the publishing industry, like eighty percent of editors, publishers, uh, agents, they're they're like they're white, and it's possible. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going on a rant, but like it's po- it's entirely possible for a white author to submit their manuscript get get it edited by a white white editor and like pretty much pretty much have their entire book read by a white audience and still be successful yeah but like poc authors they don't really have that same opportunity and i'm 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 going to the next point where like joyce carol oates uh quote tweeted uh danielle clayton and said quote no one should censor writers. Just don't read what offends you. Start your own publishing houses and magazines, as many of us have done. <laughs> uh, funny thing, Daniel Clayton is the co-founder of Cake Literary, a book development company. Yeah. So that company has churned out books like The Gauntlet by Karuna Riazi, uh, uh, Tiny Pretty Things. And it's just like they did, she did start a company and so many uh poc authors have created mar- like created magazines and and like small independent uh publish- publishing houses but there are like 5000 books that come out every year like just a handful of small press um small press imprints they they can't do all of the work and yeah. the whole problem of saying like oh like just make your own shit that like that's pretty much like I think Marie Lou said it best on Twitter. She said you're pretty much promoting uh, segregation, separate but yeah. equal, and that never fucking works. And it's it's infuriating. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going on a rant. I, I don't want to. I don't want to be that person, but it no, made but me so mad. It's. I totally see why because it's this is a type of tweet from someone who just doesn't recognize their own role in privilege or what privilege has done for their careers and the thing is like i feel like time and time again there's been like there's been tangible evidence of when you allow people to write not even own voices but like if you give room for minority authors to to put their voices out there you find something new you find something fresh that people are drawn to and these success stories are always seen as flukes or extraordinary like they're always seen as not normal by the the industry because they don't know they've never seen that before and there's a reason because the industry actively 
prevents that from happening. I, I do want to bring up the point because this whole thing started with the question of whether or not sensitivity readers uh, sanitize books and uh, censor writers. Se- sensitivity writer, uh, sensi- sensitivity readers, sorry, they're not censors. They are beta readers. They are your target audience. And like, honestly, it's part, it's essential to the editing process. Like, say if you're writing a book that's like based on uh like psychology you would consult a psychologist you would like if you're writing a book on like on like fbi you would consult with an fbi agent like you would do your research and sensitivity readers they offer like not not i don't want to say shortcut but it's like they give you notes they give you annotations to make it as authentic as possible because you know when like you can be a white author writing about like the black experience and you could have done all of your research and try to be as respectful as possible. But at the end of the day, there are some things that you're not going to get right without yeah. consultation. And that's what sensitive sensitivity readers offer. And the fact that people are saying like, Oh, we can't just write whatever we want now. Like sensitivity readers are like, are like, uh, ruining yeah like like, our books and like to put it under the umbrella of like oh they're part of like the outrage culture on social media like i don't think that's fair because people are just asking for authentic representation people are asking for own voices and i think those are things that yeah is reasonable to be honest voices we want to see our voices like we want to see us in your characters that are supposed to represent us not what you think we are yeah. Especially when that that is skewed. And then that's when things like the continent oh and God. other By the way, like, the continent it's uh uh it's expected to come out in March mm-hmm. and like the article the New York Times article said like oh she had to like the author had to rewrite good chunks of it like for like 6 months and like like how hard that was and then with Laura Moriarty who's the author of American Heart like she complained a lot about like how like the outrage from social media was like totally unexpected and like she knew that it was going to be like controversial because she's writing about like Muslims in like concentration camps pretty much and it's just like why are you giving these people like extra room to argue their (laughs) points like if you if you look at the ratio between like people who complain about sensitivity readers to like people like Daniel Clayton in that article saying like this is important sensitivity re- readers are important to the editing process it's really skewed and unbalanced I mean it goes back to just a general I mean and it's a symptom of a bigger like institutional thing which is like white voices are just valued more than voices of color in media that's why you have all these think pieces on the disenfranchised white america in in the current political climate um like so many of those compared to how many talking about people of color neighborhoods and people of color communities and how they're affected and i think it's a symptom of also like these editors probably don't know like maybe they need to think about yeah. more diverse you know voices as well because yeah. their everyone's first reaction is how this will affect us or how this will affect the status quo yeah. and 
part of existing as a person of color in America is to honestly go against the status quo because the status quo hasn't done us any favors at all. Yeah. You know? I, I do want to say that like sensitivity readers are also important for POC authors because um like say like the immigrant experience for example like there is no one immigrant experience you can be like I'm I'm Korean American and my immigrant experience is going to be different from say like Minji who's been like a guest on the show before and it's important to get sensitive sensitivity readers from like different backgrounds because everybody has a different experience and you want to be like you want to be as authentic as possible, right? Yeah, and we're moving towards this culture of inclusivity, right? That's the next buzzword beyond diversity is inclusivity. And that is that involves all of us learning how to be inclusive. That involves me and us knowing more about how to talk about things like mental health issues, disability, LGBTQ, LGBTQ, gender, like we're not saying that you can't talk about them. It's just understand how language affects people. And if you want to include characters that embody these stories to really put in the effort to, to make it authentic. To, yeah. I, I, and I hate the word authentic because it implies that there's one way of doing it. Yeah. Things, yeah. Right. I mean, when I say authentic, I yeah. just mean like, like do the like work. Yeah. Like what you want is for someone to read your character and relate to them. Yeah. Or at least like right. understand where they where they come from. Yeah. Like make it logical. <laughs> like, like if you if you write a disabled character and the people in the disability community don't relate to them, you fucked up. You did something wrong. Yeah. Right? I think that's that's the bottom line. It's not their outrage. It's like you missed something. Yeah. And like you you can just like brush it to the side and say like, oh, it's just one sensitivity reader who thinks that like this representation is is not accurate but that but the thing is that one sensitivity reader represents thousands of readers who like don't have the energy to finish your book because it's so bad (laughs) that like and so bad and racist or or whatever it's just like i think it's really important to listen to the community that you're writing about like writing the experience about yeah and like yeah, make your own shit does does not help. It's not it's not a good advice. And honestly, if you're in a position of power, if you're not a marginalized voice, you, you I think that you should uplift like own voices because yeah. you know, like writing about other people's experiences like that. I mean, that's I don't know. There's like a lot of nuance to it, but I think the best way to support POC voices is to buy their work and to make sure that they have equal opportunity and yeah, yeah so it is their work. Yeah. Just support their work, buy their books. Yeah. That's all we ask. <laughs> oh, 2017. <laughs> it's almost over. It's, it's almost, almost over. over. 2018 is the, uh, is, I don't know, more of the same, I guess. 2018 has some excellent books coming out. <laughs> I am I am very excited. Um, and on that note, we're going to call it for this episode of Books and Boba, at least this half of the episode. Um, our next episode, which will also be releasing the same day as this one, will encompass our book discussion for our December 2017 pick, Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro. Uh, for those of you who haven't read it yet and are just going to skip it till later, uh, don't forget our January pick, is Pachinko by Minjin Lee. 
Yeah, uh, and it's out on paperback now, so you can get it however you want, hardcover, paperback, Kindle, um, yeah. all the options are out there. And this is another highly rated book that's been on our radar for the past year now. Yeah, for a while now. I like literally it's a lot of people's I, favorite book of twenty sixteen. I would have picked yeah. it for an earlier like book club pick, but I waited until the paperback was available because <laughs> I wanted like I wanted it to be more accessible to people. Yeah. So yeah. An excuse for me to read Pachinko. Looking which forward, has been on my bookshelf for over a year. Looking forward to cracking that open. Um as always, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, uh, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Um, join our Goodreads forum to discuss uh, Asian American books. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Um, Riva's been working on a very impressive looking graphic that's just the date, hopefully by the by the new year, um, encompassing all the books. All the books. From 2017. Um, or all the books that I know that. about. <laughs> um, and yeah, that note... Um, Go ahead and flip over to our next episode to listen to us discuss Never Let Me Go. Um, or we'll see you all next time on Books and Boba. Thanks for listening. Bye. Books and Boba was hosted by Marvin Yue and Rira Yu and produced and edited by Marvin Yue. Books and Boba is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of podcasts featuring unique voices from the Asian American community. If you liked our show, check out one of the other great podcasts from The Collective, including The Collabcast. The Collabcast is a weekly podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian American perspective and the official podcast of the collaboration movement. You can find The Collabcast and the other great programs of the Potluck Collective by going to our website at www.podcastpotluck.com. Potluck.